0: Good morning, faith promise, great to see you, great worship in the house as we honor God. We really are going to bring the truth, we're about the truth, all the truth, and nothing but the truth, and so help us God, we want to give the world the truth, blown away, at the extreme momentum and growth that we're experiencing. Literally broken a record on our internet campus this week, last weekend. Of course, it was sex. I think people wanted to hear, but they were afraid to come. So they were on our campus last weekend. So they're probably here this weekend because they were so intrigued. But literally, God is moving, saving, changing lives, and it is extraordinary at all that God is doing. Now, about the beginning of May, I have a little pep talk with the church little pastorly pep talk. And that is, don't take your tie to the beach. Y'all remember that? Yeah, you got that. Or, you know, you get sand fleas and, you know, food poisoning from, you know, the smorgasbord and all that kind of stuff. Well, everybody started coming back and, you know, everybody's back by now because I think all the schools by Monday, all the schools will be back in, in session and pray for our teachers, poor things. And uh, and so that that that's coming. And, at the middle of June, I did a message on generosity that just had an overwhelming response, and literally hundreds of families said, "We're going to be in tithing, we're going to up our giving, we're going to move up one level of the four levels that, we, that we've laid out for generosity." And you know what an amazing thing has happened. After all the hundreds of families that committed they wanted to up their generosity, the offerings haven't gone up. Huh, Is that odd to y'all? Is that odd? So I said, Lord, I don't understand that. I, I know they took your tithe to the beach. I told them not to, but they did. I got that. But I don't get it. And you know what the Lord spoke to my heart? Well, they came back, but now they're spending their tithe on school supplies and school clothes. And so if you spend your tithe on school clothes, your children will all flunk out of school. So I'm listen, I'm just trying to love on you. You're pastor. I'm just trying to help you. If you want your kids to graduate, don't take God. Amen. Come on. Somebody, let's be faithful financially, every week, not some weeks. Now, this coming Friday and Saturday, we have a Come Alive conference. It is for all everybody that's in our small group leadership. If you hadn't signed up, you can go to Next Steps after this service and sign up. You can go online and sign up. But some of you guys are relatively new, and you're actually experienced in the realm of small group you've led before and now you've come to Faith Promise and you thought that you could hide in, you know, 7,000 people. We know you're here. And so go ahead and sign up and say, ah, man, I thought, no, no, you need to sign up because we're having too many spiritual babies not to have new groups built every week to care for those people that are coming to faith. Amen? And so sign up. You know, sign up, get involved. People say, "Well, you know, man, what about discipleship? What about discipleship?" It happens in small groups. We're inspired, we're motivated, we're uh, as we line up in rows and worship, but we're transformed when we gather around in small groups to discuss the Word of God and grow and motivate and help and pray for each other. So, we're going to be doing in a few weeks, a couple connection events and an on ramp for new people to get involved in a group, and so. We're doing training. Sign up for that. It'll be absolutely amazing. You don't want to miss that. Uh, It's just, it's off the chart. Uh, Let's pray. God, as we're about to dive into a, wow, the silence has been deafening in the earlier services as we talk about this topic. God, you invented sex and we're thrilled about it. We're excited for it. And yet so many people this weekend are hurt because of it. So many people have had pain because of it. So many people are experiencing shame because of it. This world is so warping and and just changing our view. And so, God, would you give us a fresh revelation of an old truth? Because if it's new, it's not true. And so, God, would you reveal to us how we're to walk in this sex-suck society? In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said. All right, last weekend, we talked about being naked and being unashamed, God's original intent. And so, original intent for sex, for intimacy, and for the family, we all decided it was great invention, great creativity, yay God, amen. uh, Now, this week, I want to talk about God's design and God's development of the marriage bed. And so, there's a bed on stage. You've probably never been to church where there's a bed on the platform. Pulpit, yes. Lord's Supper table, yes. Bed, no. Well, the 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 bed is is so important. It, it, it's so important. God, again, God designed and God developed the first marriage bed. Now let's think about the first marriage bed. Remember Adam goes to sleep, God makes a beautiful naked woman. He wakes up, there she is, it's off the chart. God, God makes the God and God makes their, their home. And it's the Garden of Eden. Now, I don't know about you, but I've been in some beautiful spots. I've seen sunsets in Hawaii and I've seen, been to the mountains of Costa Rica and I've been in some of the, you know, the Alps in, in Europe and I've been to some amazing sites in Central and South America, amazing places in America. I don't think there's anything to compare to the Garden of Eden, which I agree with that. And so, see, God designed, invented the first family and designed the marriage bed and he put them right there. And so, it, it, it's awesome. Now, again, last weekend, by the way, quiet as I've ever seen y'all, and you're about to get quieter because we're about to get a little bit tougher. See, when, when, we, when, we, when we enter the subject of sex, when you enter the world of sex, when you hopefully, prayerfully, in Jesus' name, it's after you get married. But when you enter the world of sex, it is a slippery slope, and it is lined with IEDs, explosive, Improvised Explosive Devices. And people have been killed, they've been divorced, they've been maimed, they've been devastated, destroyed by the physical act of sex done outside the biblical barriers that God lays out for us. God lays those biblical barriers out for us for our good, not for our harm. God's not a killjoy. He knows what's best. So y'all ready to dive in the Word of God? Are y'all ready to dive in the Word of God? Come on. All right. All right. So the Word of God is helpful, by the way, even when it hurts. And sometimes when you go to the doctor, it hurts, doesn't it? But that pain, but pain heals you and takes away a greater pain when you go to the doctor or the dentist or, or, or something like that. So let me ask you a question. I've said it, but I want to make sure you agree. Did God create the marriage bed? Yes. Are y'all sure God created the marriage bed? Yes. <clears throat> All right, because we're gonna we're gonna walk through this. Now, God created it. Let me give you a command God made about it. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4. Marriage is to be held in what? <clears throat> Honor among who? And the marriage bed is to be what? For fornicators and adulterers, God will punish. It is, this is a command. It's a command. We, we're given the overview, then we're given a command, and then we're given a warning. And so this, this verse is supported by, th- by hundreds of other verses. Mentally. I, mean, I can find thousands from Genesis to the book of Re- Revelation about sexual purity, sexual pain. The Bible is littered with sexual sin. It's an issue for all of us, right? Just all of us. Unless you're like, you know, I read a story about a little Baptist church, and you remember, the, remember they do hymn singings. They weren't singing; they were singing. Y'all remember that? And, and the pastor would call out a topic and someone would jump up and name a hymn. Faith and hope. He said sex. Nobody moved a 94-year-old lady stood up in the back and said, precious memories. <laughs> and so for most of us, most of us, this is, this is imperative. So God said, <laughs> I'm so I'm sorry, that's so, because we probably have some 94-year-olds that are still active, so. All right, the Bible said, if you knew the things that went on up here, y'all would fire me as the pastor. (laughs) Help us, I'm glad for grace. All right, the Bible gives us a command that the marriage bed is to be what? Undefiled. So what does the word undefiled mean? Undefiled means free from that which will deform or debase, force and vigor impaired. And so if the, if the marriage bed is defied. no, but let me ask you a question first. Who wants to have great sex? Okay. Okay, I, there's only just a few hands. There's a couple husbands trying to drag their wives' hands up. I need to see you after church because you're going to need some personal coaching. If you had to drag her hand up, you need some help. So I don't know, but I want Somebody, by the way, is going to heaven because after I said last weekend that my wife, you know, she better eat her Wheaties because there's no sex in heaven. And so there's no sex in heaven. And so I'm gonna get all I can get here. Somebody brought her some Wheaties. You have got a free pass to heaven. I don't know who you are, but you are going to heaven. Just a papal deal, man, papal direct right there. You are going to heaven, whoever brought her that Wheaties box. So, the ma- <laughs> so this is the deal. If we, def- if we defile the marriage bed, this is what it will do out of the definition of the word. It will impair or reduce the force or the vigor of your sexual intimacy if you defile the marriage bed. Now, go back to the verse, Hebrews 13.4. Marriage is to be held in honor among all. Listen, this is the reason the church fights for traditional marriage. Because we have a biblical mandate. Not because we hate people that struggle with same sex issues. Man, there are people in the church that struggle with same sex issues. Now, this series, we're not going to talk much about same sex issues because same sex is not our sexual sin for most people in here. There's some sexual sin happening. But most of it's heterosexual sin. Not See, everybody wants me, well, get on. Talk about homosexual sin. Well, what about you, chump? Come on. See, you know what? People want to come to church and beat other people up for sins they don't have because you feel good about that. But what's the difference between a guy who's struggling with a same-sex issue and a 22-year-old guy that can't keep his zipper up and is is going to bed with as many girls and destroying as many women as he can? What's the difference? Not a cotton-picking thing. That's the difference. There is none. And so... But, but the mar- marriage is to be held in honor among all. And so we lift up God's standard of marriage. Do we love people that struggle with same-sex issues? You better believe it. Do. We love everybody because everybody struggles with issues. So we love everybody. But I can love you and not agree with everything you believe. Because, see, there are things me and my wife disagree on. There are areas she's wrong. And, 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 and <laughs> I'll, I'll pay for that. Actually, she, oh, the waitie's box went under the chair. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! That cost more than that laugh was worth. Can I just go ahead and tell you right now? There's some laughs just not worth it. I, that messed me up. All right. So, but, but this the reason that we, hold, that we hold the biblical standard of marriage up. It's not because we hate people that struggle with same-sex issues. Listen, it, it's not. We love you. We love everybody. But the Bible says that we are to hold marriage, and God designed marriage in Genesis chapter 2 between a man and a woman. And that's how he designed it. He said, "But, but what about me? I have some desires that don't line up with the Word. If you have a desire that doesn't line up with the Word, don't fulfill it. Whether it's heterosexual or it's homosexual, whatever desire it is outside of the bounds of the Word of God, when you do it, you'll hurt you, you'll hurt God, you'll hurt others. So marriage should be held to honor. What does the word honor mean? The word honor means in that verse of great price, precious, esteemed, especially dear. That's how we're to hold the marriage bed, and that's how we're to hold, that's how we're to hold marriage. Now, our goal is not to glut you with guilt. Because would we all agree, man, there's tons of sexual sin that's gone on this week, and there, almost, most people in this room have committed a sexual sin. Our our deal, listen, the deal's not to glut you with guilt. It's not to peel a scab off and pour salt in it. It's not to shower you with shame, because I don't care what you've done or where you've been, the blood of Jesus will free you from all unrighteousness. If you are faithful and just to confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you of all, all all, all unrighteousness. I will throw your sin as far as the east is the west, he said. I'll throw your sin behind me, he said. I will not remember your sin, he said. In Colossians, I'll take the decrees against you off and I will cover them with the blood of Jesus. Don't walk in shame, walk in freedom. Your past is forgiven, paid for under the blood. You are adopted and fully and freely forgiven and you are, man, in the eyes of God if you're born again and confessed up. So it's a deal. The question is, how can a Christ follower walk holy and pure in a sex, sexually saturated and soaked society? Our culture is cramming sex down our throat, and it's painting the wrong picture. Picture. If you missed last weekend, we laid sort of the groundwork out about what the world says and about what the Word of God says. And so, man, go back and get the message last weekend. Go get a free DVD or CD at one of our campuses at the, uh, the Resource Center. Go to the Faith Promise app, download it. It's all free. Go to the website. You can download it. It's all free. We don't charge free of that stuff. So if the Bible says, and it does, that the marriage beds be undefiled, then the question of the day is this. Are you? If you're ready, say, I'm ready. Yes. How do I defile the marriage bed? If God doesn't want you defiled, if defiling the marriage bed will hurt God or hurt me, how do I not defile it? I'm so glad you asked me If you five ways you defile the marriage bed. Are you ready? If you're ready, say I'm ready. Amen. Number one is fornication. If you go back to the verse in Hebrews chapter 13, 4 again, it's a command. It's coming, Hebrews 13, 4. It's a command that the marriage bed is to be undefiled. That is in the imperative mood. It's a command. And then it says fornicators and adulterers listed in the sentence with the marriage bed. The, the, the Greek word is pornia. We get our word pornography. The word is translated multiple ways in the New Testament, and it is sexual sin outside of marriage. It's sexual sin inside of marriage is called something else. It is sex before marriage. Now the world says Get all the sex you can with as many people as you can, and you will be an experienced lover when you get married. And that is a lie from the pits of hell. I was taught, get all, get as many girls as you can and as many times as you can. Mark off the, just mark another notch on your, on your, your gun belt. It doesn't matter who you hurt. doesn't matter who you destroy. It doesn't matter what you deal out. Just get all you can. When I was 12 years old, I had grown men begin putting me in bed with 30 to 40-year-old women saying, teach him the tricks of the trade. He needs to be a man. What I should have been doing was playing baseball and army men, and I was being thrown at what was being done to me was Perversion. It was not experience. Now, listen, the world is a liar. It always has been. It always has been. And so th- let, me, let me tell you why. Let me, let me just build a biblical case. In Genesis two twenty four, God says, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be to his, and they shall become... Jesus say, well, that's, that's Old Testament good. Roll fast forward for a zillion years. Roll to Matthew chapter 19. Jesus speaking, Matthew 19, verse 4 and 5. Jesus said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Who said that? For we are no longer two, but we are what? One, one flesh. He repeats it. The biblical principle of repetition, the more it's repeated, the more important it is. What therefore God has joined together, let no man See, the two shall become what? When you have sex with someone, you become a, you become your soul's touch. You become one with that person. One with that person. And so when you have multiple sexual partners, you've been, multi- you've been one with multiple people, that stuff stays with you. We were never designed for casual sex. Paul goes on with the same line of thinking that started in Genesis. Jesus affirms it, and Paul goes in 1 Corinthians 6 and says, This food is for the stomach, and the stomach is for food, but God will do away with, them, with both of them. Yet the body is not for what? Pornea. Same word. Translated a different way, sexual sin before marriage, immorality, but your body is for the Lord, for the Lord is, uh, and the Lord is for the body. Now, God has not only raised up the Lord, but will also raise us up through his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members with what? Right. If you are a believer, your body is one with Jesus, and when you choose to fornicate, you take Jesus into that bed of fornication. Do you feel that awkward silence? It's just the Bible, gang. I love you. I'm trying to give you the reason why you're to stay sexually pure. So then shall I take away the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Shall I drag Jesus into my bed of fornication? May it never be, or do you not know that the one who joins up to a prostitute is one body with her? Again, Genesis, Matthew, Corinthians. For he says the two shall become one flesh over and over and over. But the one who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. Flee, pornea. Every other sin that a man commits is outside the body. But the immoral man, the pornea man, sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? And do you not know that you were bought with a price and that you are now not your own? When you were born again, you relinquished ownership to Jesus? Is that right? When you bowed your knees, say so you confessed Jesus as what? Lord, you now own this body. I am marked, sealed, filled. I am your property. I am one with Jesus. I'm not becoming one with someone else except my wife. Once you're married, get to be one all you can. <laughs> one is good. That's the way God designed it, the marriage bed. You know what? It's another form of worship. Now, the men are saying, what, what, what? What? I, I, I didn't know I liked worship that well. Man, this is worship. When it's undefiled and pure and it's right how God designed it, this is worship and it is good. But if you defile the marriage bed, you will screw up the intimacy. God created one for one forever. That's how he created. Are you re- Okay. All right. Okay. So the first is fornication, sexual sin outside of marriage. Number two, ooh, this will get you. Comparison. I struggled a long time about whether I was going to tell you this or not. But we're raw and real here, aren't we? Right? We're dishonest. I was a whoremonger. I was a drug dealer. I had sex with hundreds of girls. Destroyed girls. Their, Im- their faces still pop in my mind as I think of how many people I hurt in my sin. And then I married a beautiful, godly woman named Michelle. Came from a wonderful family. And we had a wonderful marriage bed. And then she asked me one day, Chris, how do I compare to all those other girls you've had sex with? The ugliest question I've ever been asked in all my life. See, comparison will defile the marriage bed. Now, I knew my sin was bad, and I knew that I hurt a lot of people, and I knew that I was forgiven, and I knew, but when she looked at me and said, How do I compare? Oh, Michelle, what do you mean? This, 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 this is two different things. That was just lust, and that was. But this is, yeah. But how to? Are you with me? See that that comparison defiles the marriage bed, because God designed one for one forever. God designed one virgin for one virgin. Yeah, but I want to be experienced. No, how about getting experience with your spouse? How about learning to make love together, instead of. Out there with something else amen God's best listen I know many of us have blown it I'm not trying to give shame but I have to give instruction I have to give instruction you have 500 to 800 we'll probably have a thousand middle schoolers and high schoolers with us somebody's got to teach them somebody's got to teach them number three are you ready can you handle it number three porn porn you know what that word is same word pornia. Same word. We're still on the word fornication. It's in explosive red. Now, let me just show you how bad porn is. Let me show you. Here's the deal. Have you ever read a book and then gone to watch the movie made out of the book? You ever done that? Is the movie ever as good as the book? Let me tell you why the movie's not as good as the book. Because Hollywood and all of its brilliance and all of its creativity, Hollywood and its computer generated all that it can do. Hollywood and all the billions of dollars cannot do what you can do inside your head. Your imagination is far greater than the greatest the greatest artists in Hollywood. Does that make sense? So now you now you begin to view porn and you create a fantasy world in your brain that no other person could ever match. So now you get married, and now the, now the marriage bed is defiled because they don't measure up because you've created, through viewing porn, you've created a fantasy world that is not achievable in reality. That's why porn. Not to mention that the Holy Spirit has to watch it with you. Not to mention any of how it does to God, just what it does to, just what it does to you and your, your brain. See, when I was young and porn was available, it was Playboy, Penthouse, and Hustler in that order. Playboy was bad, Penthouse was worse, and Hustler was just filthy smut. All of it was, but it, they, were, they were just progressively worse. And so today, I, I do not know this by experience, so let me hasten to tell you this. I know this through conversations with young adults. Today, matter of fact, do you know the reason you have a smartphone? You have a smartphone because the porn industry drove the technology so they could send naked pictures to your pocket. It's just a fact, gang. That's why you have a smartphone, so you can get porn. And and see, porn will chase you down today, whereas you used to go have to find a magazine. Today it will chase you down. And when you go to a porn site today, when you pull it up, there is a select button. And the select button will drop down and say black women, white women, Asian women, Hispanic women, one-on-one, two-on-one, two-on-three, four-on-four, guy-on-guy, girl-on-girl. You get to select. When you get married, you can never hit the select button. But see, your fantasy world is being created within your brain that will fry your marriage bed. Am I talking to anybody? Am I helping anybody? And, 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 and so it's just the deal. Because your spouse, yeah, especially for guys, your wife can never, ever live up to this fantasy world that you've created. Now, ladies, I know some of you view porn, but it's heavily men. Let me tell you, Fifty Shades of Grey. Oh, yeah, let's get down in business. <laughs> Fifty Shades of Grey. Wait, pastor, there's not a picture in that book. I've read it four times. <laughs> Ain't no porn. What's going on the screen of your mind, ladies? What's going on when you read that stuff? You're creating. You're creating a world your husband can't live up to. Now, I'm going to date myself at Harlequin Romances. Ladies, I'm going to bust your bubble. They were written by women. Because Bubba doesn't think that way. <laughs> he doesn't. It just doesn't work that way. When you let the culture color your sex, you are setting yourself for for a letdown. And then you say, well, I'll go find somebody else who can satiate my sexual desires. You know, divorce your wife or your husband, and you'll leave your three kids and go get another one. But they won't be good enough because you've let the world color your brain, and and it can't match what goes on your head. And so we've defiled the marriage bed. Is anybody with me? Number four. Number four. Selfishness. You know what I've come to realize? This is this is, there are two people in the marriage bed. Now, you remember when the when the rulers brought that woman to G said, we caught her in the very act of adultery. Where was the pecker head that was with her? How about chunking some rocks at him? See, there are two people. In this marriage bed, I'm going to make a statement that's going to rock your world. Is our faith in Jesus an others-oriented faith? Consider others more important than yourself. It goes over and over. That other-centered oriented goes into the intimacy and lovemaking in your bed. If you'll make sure your, your spouse's needs are met, your needs will get met. So you go to that marriage bed thinking about them, not you. Does this make sense? Yeah. Meet their needs first. It's just a, it's a Christian principle It goes all the way into lovemaking. Now I'm gonna help you right here, Bubba. So don't you really dial in? <laughs> guys are a gas engine. Man, listen, it's fuel injected, turbocharged, nitrous oxide in the tank, and all you gotta do is bump the starter. Boom! That guy's ready. Your wife walks through the bedroom. Ho ho, baby, come here. What are you doing? Oh, I saw. Hey, I didn't look. What going about them? Come here first. Yeah, it won't take long. Come here. See, men are ready just like that. Aren't they a look, a glance, a smell? A commercial. Let me tell you, a great time. Halftime in the football. Halftime. Halftime. And so, guess what we do at my house. I don't know what y'all do at halftime. <laughs> Hang out with your friends and eat Doritos, baby. I'm taking Michelle to the, to the marriage bed. And she's eating some Wheaties. But here's the deal. See, guys are a gas engine, right? Women are a diesel. (laughs) Climb in that diesel truck, Bubba, and crank it without warming the glow plugs up, and you'll ruin the truck. (laughs) All the ladies said, whoa, amen, preach it, preach it. Listen, and if you climb in that bed and you don't warm those glow plugs up, man, you're going to mess up. I'm helping you, Bubba, right I'm telling you, if you've ever been helped in preaching, I'm helping you right now. I know you're revved up and ready. Just go ahead and just let, cut, cut the niche on and watch, the, watch that light on the dashboard. When it goes off Club. oh, then we're ready. <laughs> Am I, ladies, is this true? Ladies, is this true? All right. Okay. Just was, was trying to help you. I've never heard this in church in my entire life. <laughs> well, thank God you came to Faith Promises. all I've got to say. So here's the deal. Number five, number five. Adultery. <laughs> Adultery. So we go back to the verse, Hebrews thirteen four, Marriage is to be held in honor among all. The marriage bed is to be undefiled. Fornicators and adulterers. It is a principle, it is a command, and it is finished off with a warning. You want to destroy the intimacy <clears throat> in your marriage, go ahead, have an affair. Go ahead and, for 10 minutes of an adrenaline rush. Ruin this right here. Ruin this right here. Now, that's happened in our house, you may say. It can be overcome by grace and forgiveness and rebuilding trust. But it is a long process. And so the deal is, it's not worth it. Listen, for five minutes, oh, I'm I'm big bad. Okay, ten minutes. (laughs) For ten minutes of pleasure, you'll drag the wife of your youth through the mud. For 10 minutes of pleasure, you'll drag your children through the mud. For 10 minutes of pleasure, you will ruin your reputation and destroy your witness. For 10 minutes of pleasure, you will drag your small group through the mud. For 10 minutes of pleasure, you will mar the name of this church and drag it through the mud. Build some barriers. Biblical barriers are a blessing. Build some barriers. Are you with me? Now, what would happen if Monday morning Knoxville News Sentinel, Dr. Chris Stevens, pastor of the largest church in East Tennessee, falls to immorality and adultery? Would that would that would that would that hurt us? So I have built barriers in my life, barriers in my life. I don't counsel women. I, there's so many things I don't do. People say, I, but I don't understand that. Are you tempted? No, I'm not tempted. But let me tell you, it's just how I work. I build barriers so that I won't ever worry about being tempted. I don't do all these things. People say, I can't believe it. I had a small group several years ago, and, and there, were, there were some single adults and there were some married adults in a small group, and, and I'm never alone with a woman unless she is related to me, my wife or one of my daughters, my daughter-in-laws or my daughter or my wife. Nobody else am I alone with. And so I, I, I went and did something. I came back. There were two single women left in my house, and my hands began to sweat, and my heart began, I thought, dear God, what am I going to do? I'm going to walk to the end of the road until they leave. I was absolutely freaking out. And my friend Robert the Bruce walked back in the front door and said, Hey, Pastor, do you think I was going to leave you like this? I wanted to kiss him on the lips when he walked <laughs> back in there. Because, listen, I do, not, I do not go outside the barriers. You know what? I've seen some of y'all at lunch with somebody of the opposite sex. I just sit and stare at the table. I have, man, I do. I'm not lying. There are times I would tell so I'm going to go over and ask you who that is. Don't, don't go over there, Chris. Don't go over there. Yeah, I want to know who that is because I know that's not their spouse. Who are they over there with? Man, and I'm going to tell, tell you where I really get mad. When I see one of our high school or middle school girls and I see some peckerhead picking on them, I've walked up and t- told guys, I don't know if you're saved or you're lost, but you better decide because you're about to go wherever you go and you get around her again. <laughs> Because I'm a spiritual dad. Matter of fact, I'm a spiritual grandfather. Man, and I am not going to have somebody treating girls like that while I'm around. I have, Literally, I've threatened to lay hands on people about the head, neck, and shoulders. <laughs> five. Or eight, listen, five things. Listen, sin will keep you longer than you wanted to go, cost you more than you wanted to stay, and take you farther than you ever planned. Nobody popped the top on the first Budweiser and said, I'm going to be a slopping drunk and lose my family. Nobody got a hand in the first joint set. said, I can't wait till I'm a crackhead and I lose my life. See, that's what sin does. You say, but Pastor Ronald Sue, I've blown it. Man, a lot of those things you said I've done, the blood of Jesus covers all sins. Sexual sin, every sin, inside the body, outside the body, sexual sin covers it. Covers it. You say, you mean to tell me if I get saved, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to be a prude. I'm not to have any sex till I get married. Now, I'm going to tell you, get saved, and you get to be pure, and you get to save yourself. Because I'm telling you, you ask the 45-year-old single lady who is here, who, get, who hooked up on the Internet last week, who, who got together Friday night and had sex, ask them if they feel better today because they don't. Ask that 17-year-old girl that some chump, been talking to her for four months to try to get, have sex with her, and she gives it up in the backseat of a car, and she realizes she's given away what she can never give to her husband. Ask her how she feels. Now, I used to, when I was a kid, you only had to worry about the girls because it was the guys in pursuit. Today, if you have, if you have boys, you got to worry about your boys because the girls are in pursuit too. It's a sexually saturated so listen, I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. If you've blown it, you can be free. You can be fully for- forgiven. You can walk in grace and victory. That's what the gospel is. So I'm telling you, you give your heart to Jesus and God will, God will begin to build parameters in your life to protect you, not to restrict you. Because you go ahead and do all the sin you want. It doesn't make you free. It makes you a slave to sin. And so with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're ready to come to the Lord who died for you, Paid for your sins and rose from the grave on Easter. We're going to pray a prayer with you right now. We're going to pray it out loud. So if you're ready, pray this prayer with us. Dear Jesus, I know I've screwed up. And I'm so sorry. Forgive me. Please come in my heart. I give you ownership. I confess you as Lord. Help me to walk in a way that pleases you. Show me the boundaries. As by faith, I will follow you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said. Amen. Come on, somebody give God some praise in the house. Wow. 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 Has it been good to be in the house of God this weekend? We have, we, we should have called, we should have called this series How to Have Good Sex. And there would have been 1,000 on the iCampus last weekend instead of 550. And so this is, if if you just gave your heart to Jesus, if you'll fill out the communication card in front of you and put in the offering boxes or take it to the Next Steps area, go to the Next Steps if you need to sign up for our Come Alive conference small group leaders. There's going to be people down to pray. There's going to be people down to pray because I've already had people walk up this weekend and say, hey, I was raped. Please pray for me. Hey, I was this. Would you pray for me? And so, man, with this slippery slope and the IEDs that follow this deal, if you need to pray someone, they'll be up here. Man, we love you. Listen, no condemnation for us. We are all fallen people. Amen? Amen? We have all blown it, and we all still blow it. And so this is not a place where we beat people up. This is a place where we build people up. This is a place where we don't give guilt. We give the gospel, and people's lives are transformed forever. Amen? So this week, you walk in purity and holiness, And keep your eyes toward heaven from whence our hearts come. We love you. Be blessed. See you next weekend. And fill those grandstands up.